0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Culper's Cup. It's just Culper's Cup this week because one of us is missing. And it's episode 93. So, seven more to go to the big 100. And we're real excited about that. And I hope you all are too. We got some good feedback on the last couple of episodes. We appreciate that, which we might get to uh, some of that in a minute uh, the feedback and what we've been hearing, positive and negative. But breaking news, Josh! Breaking news, and this is big stuff, man. This is big stuff. I think this is a watershed moment for culture, and this might very well be the culture episode. And I think this is a we're going to talk about music, maybe movies, literature, maybe I don't know, talk about some of that stuff because uh, we kind of went off in the in the text about about that earlier today, and we always do <laughs> off and on. We'll talk about it and we try not to be old fogies about it, but this episode may sound like old fogies to some of our, uh, younger millennial listeners, but, uh, Hey man, we'll argue with you all day on that. Uh, but so back to the breaking news. Hey man, Benifer is a thing again, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez tied the knot in Las Vegas, I think like last night. So man, I mean, you know, we were going to trash on modern culture this episode, but man, it may be on its way back. Ben Affleck and 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 Jennifer Lopez, man, it's it's a thing I, again. This is it's it's so
1: ridiculous, dude. She's got she has more marriages than Carter has liver pills. Like <laughs> I like, how many times is this being married for her? Not, oh. not you know, not counting she's been married to to Ben before, but <laughs>
0: that's true. So. <laughs> So, how many marriages this is this? I don't know. I, I, wasn't she the baseball player and then the, yeah. uh, de, uh, the singer, Ben Affleck? And I think she's got to be pushing close to 10 now. Really? Being married wow. 10 times? Yeah. Oh, uh, so, I mean, when you're married that many times, off and on, off and on. Is the problem really you, you know, or is it somebody else? You know, Is it, I, I I don't know. She seems real. I don't know. I mean, I, I've seen her, uh, you know, on the, what is it, Dancing with, no, not Dancing with the Stars, the American Idol, right? She seems okay. She doesn't seem like a horrible person. Uh, Mariah yeah. Carey seems like a horrible person. But oh, I mean, yeah, what, for sure. What do you think it is? What do you think uh, drives the men away? You think she just gets tired of them or? What do you
1: think? I, I don't know. So I just uh, so I I just looked it up and I was way off. She she's been married three times. Uh, oh really? Yeah, she's had a so, lot of
0: boyfriends, like serious,
1: close yeah, to
0: marriage. Yeah, I mean we know
1: dude we, we we know dudes that we were in the military with that have been you know married more than three times. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. I, you know it, it's probably a combination of things. Either you know she gets tired of them or. I, I will say when you look at when you look at celebrities, what you know, whether they're singers or you know actors, actresses, you know, whatever. Like that's a hard lifestyle, you know. That it's a hard lifestyle, and it's a hard lifestyle in a sense of you're always on the road, you're traveling, you know, and especially if your your significant other is also, you know, uh, a celebrity, you know, whether it be you know a professional sports player. you know another singer actor actress you know whatever that is like you know you're constantly being pulled away you're in two different locations you're you know you're constantly on the road like and, and we and we know what that's like you know you're constantly gone you know and on the road like so i i get it from that aspect um you know and it's probably a little bit you know everybody jokes about uh you know it's like no matter how hot she is there's some guy somewhere that's tired of putting up with her shit um <laughs> you know so yeah, you know, there's probably some of that, and then you know, there's probably some of just you know, deep long distance relationships and stuff like that. It's they're hard. Um, I'm sitting
0: here trying to uh, rack my brain on celebrity couples that have been married for a while uh, that are that are somewhat famous. And I think that one that that comes to mind, and I I should know these things. I guess you know my wife uh, watches shows and stuff, and uh, I, I watch with her. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't enjoy it as much as if I was watching. You know the documentary on you know the king ronnie coleman on netflix or something <laughs> my wife's not gonna watch that but anyway i would say uh like keith urban and nicole kidman have been married for a while uh they've been married for a hot minute like 15 years or so yeah. um i'm not quite sure they've been they, they've been together a while but you're right man when you get those two you know uh celebrities who are you know fairly famous both of them that's gonna be tough man it's gotta be hard on a marriage. Um, not to say it can't be done. You know, I I think about Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. It's like, that's (laughs) never going to work. That's never going to work. The two of the most beautiful people on the planet. And one of them is certifiable. Well, actually probably both of them are certifiable. I heard Brad Pitt's kind of a, kind of an odd bird and Angelina Jolie. I mean, I I actually, I don't think she's a bad person at all. You know, she does some uh, charity work uh, in Africa and I think she really does care She's not doing it for the press, but she cannot be an easy person. <laughs> There's no way. I, th- I don't think she was acting in the show. Girl interrupted. I, th- I think that was really her. Oh no,
1: Lord no. And I mean, you go back to Angelina Jolie. You go back to her marriage with uh, with Billy Bob Thornton.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: it's like they're wearing vi- each you know each other's blood and a little vial around their necks. Like, come on, man. Like, it, dude, that just. And I guarantee you like that she took some of that to to Brad Pitt, and I think everybody you know, I think everybody that you know is in that 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 realm you know you're a celebrity and stuff all of you have everybody's a bit mad right um you know as far as those celebrity marriages that have that have kind of lasted, the one that sticks out i think the most are probably be like you know Kurt Russell and Goldie Hahn. Um,
0: oh, yeah, yeah. They've been married. You know, oh, they're over 30 years. Has to yeah. be.
1: H- yeah, has to be. Has to be. Um, so, like, I would say that one. Um, there's some others out there that, like, uh, you look at it, yeah, one I'm super famous, and the other one is, you know, maybe kind of, kind of famous. Um, you know? So, um, oh, um, who was the. Yeah, I, uh, got Matt Broderick, Matthew Broderick.
0: Oh, he's married uh, to Rick horse face. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. shouldn't have said horse face, but that's, <laughs> Sa- I can't uh, think of the actress's name.
1: Sarah Parker, Sa- Sarah, uh, <laughs> Jessica Parker. Yeah. 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 See, I can't, hold, why do I know this shit? Yeah, I don't, I should not know this.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for years. So, so for those of you who are a little bit younger, we do have some younger listeners who appreciate younger than us anyway. Uh, like early thirties to mid thirties. Those are youngsters to us these days. But you know, back in the day, think about this, Josh, like maybe you watched entertainment tonight uh, and you knew maybe every once in a while you watched it and you knew that uh, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn got married way back in the day. But most likely you saw that on the cover of a national Enquirer when you were checking out at the grocery, it grocery store, card. it wasn't the internet, you, you know, it's the national inquirer. You're just sitting there looking it had the, and people magazine and stuff like that. I think my mom bought a people every once in a while. And that's kind of where I got my pop culture back then. Um, but you know, <laughs> Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta Jones as as uh, as Roger just chimed in. <laughs> 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 so Josh is logged in as Roger. It's pretty funny. Uh but what I, I was gonna one thing about Billy Bob Thornton, that dude's crazy too. Like like that guy's an artist, uh, artist crazy. A hundred percent. One of the funniest things I saw an interview. I don't know if you ever saw this interview with him where they were, you know, really going in depth on, hey, you know, Billy Bob, really what makes you tick? And he got down to he has irrational fears. Do you know what his two irrational fears are? No. (laughs) One of them's midgets. He's like irrationally afraid. And the other one is antique furniture. Like the old and, French, yeah, antique furniture, like old French or date. He said he gets physically ill when he's around it. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Oh, stupid. And the way he described it, he's not BSing. Who makes that up? I have a phobia for uh you know that type of furniture. Come on. The dude's That's nuts. hilarious, dude. So him and Peter Dinklage
1: aren't aren't gonna be doing a movie together anytime, well, what's, by, what's, anytime soon.
0: No, because he did Bad Santa and I was like he did that uh, interview right. way before bad Santa. And, uh, I, I knew in, when he was in that movie with the, uh, with the little elf guy, who was great in that movie, by the way. I mean, I, he just grinned and bared it and got over his fear, man, confronted it head on. <laughs> I love
1: it. <laughs> oh um, man. I think I only have like, I, I think I only have like one, one irrational fear. And it's not even a fear. Like I can do like, I just, dude, I'm not a fan of spiders. Like I just, I, mm. I, I don't think spiders. I don't, I don't think it's a rational fear though. Like it's, um, I don't know. I how do you react?
0: Fear. How do you react when you see a spider? Cause I have a feeling it's, it's a similar reaction to when I see a centipede or a scorpion. What, how do you react? I don't, I, I wouldn't guess that you go screaming or whatever, right? No, no. Like I'll
1: look at it and like, okay, what kind is that? I don't know what kind it is. I'm just going to stay away from it.
0: You know, oh, my, my first reaction, centipedes or, or scorpions is, it must die yesterday, <laughs> I, and I irrationally kill them. I love I mean, it. it. I I just, I, I hate them so much, and I guess it's a fear. Uh, I guess, but I hate them so much. It's just like, ah, ah, that's where the real violence comes out, man. Violence of action yeah. against centipedes and scorpions. Ugh. I love it. <sighs> I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah, Billy Pop Yeah, Billy Pop Thornton. Man, he he is definitely one of those actors. He reminds me of. Uh, he. I, I think he's on the same level. Um, Of uh, of crazy as as Joaquin Phoenix, Um, yeah. But I think Billy Bob's a little bit more polished. Um, Dude, Joaquin Phoenix, man, I I think he's a phenomenal actor. Uh, I I do. I think he's an absolutely phenomenal actor. But I think he's one of those guys, like, hey man, we're gonna put you in this little glass case, and we're only gonna pull you out when it's time to make a movie. Um, Because in between, dude, what was it? The Tonight Show that he was on his interview on the Tonight Show. uh, Yeah, I, I think it was after he did Walk the Line. It was bizarre. It was so bizarre. And everybody was like, is this dude just straight coked out? Like
0: that was part of an act uh, for a movie he was doing at the time that was that had just been released. And it was kind of a what uh, okay. he was. He was filming it as it was a documentary. I, I couldn't tell you the name of the film. I'll, I'll look it up here in a second. But um, it, it, that was his persona when he was on Letterman. And and Letterman said, well, I really wish I could have talked to Joaquin Phoenix tonight. That was a bit that he was doing to kind of promote the film. And the film was, I didn't think it was very good, but he acted like it was his life. And dude, it was not his life. You know uh, what I'm okay. saying? Like he pulled a, in the movie, he pulls an Amber Heard on his friend's bed because his friend made him upset. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and they filmed it. And he's actually, do, it's, yeah, it was not a good movie, but yeah, that Big whole potty. thing. But I hear you. That dude, if you sat down and had a conversation with him, it would be another type of conversation. Not that it would be bad, but it ain't going to be like a conversation with me or you or Roger or a lot of the folks listening to this show, you know?
1: No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, Speaking of uh, uh, Amber Heard, um, yeah, her going going big potty on uh, (laughs) – Doing, the, doing the big job, <laughs> doing a big job on uh, Captain Jack Sparrow's bed. Uh, you know, you talk about yeah, I, you know that trial. Uh, I I didn't watch it, but I was I was forced to to participate because every time I you know went on the social media, that's what everybody was talking about, and every time I you know I clicked on you know any news website, that was always the main headline. And, uh, you know, that, that try It really, it really highlighted, um, the, the toxic femininity, you know, toxic feminism, um, you know, right on the, especially right on the hills of, uh, of Will Smith and, uh, you know, Chris Rock and and that, and then seeing that video come out of of Will Smith and Jada, Jada sitting there and just, you know, just abusing it, dude, it was, it, it was bad. It was, it was really, really bad. And, you know, uh when you see that, especially, you know, another thing is, you know, just in, it happens a lot, but especially in the celebrity world, it's like, you think about it, how, as an actor, right. You know, and you're like, and it's hard to tell. Cause uh, I'll say, you know, Johnny Depp, he is probably one of the best actors out there. Um, I mean, you look at all his roles, his roles have been so vast and so different um you know you you take a look at him you see him on the stand you know he's talking and stuff and you got to think okay this guy's a paid actor like how much is this is true how much is this him um, you know really turning it on you know the the woe is me i'm the victim you know this blonde chick you know with big potty on my bed and made me feel sad inside and you know, everything. And, you know, how much, of, how much of that do you think that was? And I, you know, I, I know you didn't follow it, you know, daily, but I saw how, how much of it? what you saw, how much of what you saw do you think that was, you know, Johnny, Johnny acting
0: with him? Um, Cause with her, I would say a hundred percent acting. I mean, that, that woman is, is such an actress or actor. I think we are supposed to call them all actors now. Uh, she <laughs> is such an actor that she doesn't even know how to be genuine anymore uh i think that johnny depp uh i think that was more true to who he probably is in everyday life and even at home the guy when you listen to him talk uh it's very poetic you know how he speaks is kind of on another level not good or bad but it's almost it's poetic you know he's an orator it's it's entertaining and i think part of his persona is being entertaining you know he spent a lot of time around hunter s thompson and you know you watch the old uh, videos and stuff of hunter s thompson uh boy they're a lot alike and i don't know if that's johnny depp emulating him or they just happen to be you know forlorn cousins or something i don't know yeah
1: no. no that's a good point and johnny you know and johnny De- hunter s thompson man there's another guy who man do you imagine being in the same room as Johnny Depp and Hunter S. Thompson no. and then like, and then throw Billy Bob <laughs> and Joaquin in there, right? It would be, I dude, it would be, oh, it would be the most bizarre room you've ever been in, in your okay. life. Okay. So we take,
0: so this is a good conversation right here. You said Hunter S. Thompson, Johnny Depp, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, who else do you say? Did you Billy say Bob, else? Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel day Lewis, Dennis, oh Rodman, yeah, Gary Oldman and William H Macy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you and I, a normal person is going to be completely out of place in that room. It's like, what am I doing? A hundred percent. What am I doing here? Oh, and uh, Ike Turner. Um, <laughs> can you imagine, dude? And then,
1: I, oh, and then and then and then Clint Eastwood. Um,
0: oh my God like you know. but it's got to be like Clint Eastwood uh you know like 52-year-old Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, but I bet you I bet you this. I bet you Clint Eastwood knows how to talk to those people. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%.
1: Um you know, it, so you know, who was it that uh wh- you know, who who was it that passed away a couple weeks ago? Uh actor. Um, oh
0: boy. Young and- old
1: I feel bad. No. Yeah. It was old, uh, you know, older. It was kind of like, okay. Oh, it boy. Was, um, no. Oh, it was, uh, it was what's his face from The Sopranos?
0: Paul. Oh, yeah. Well, well, Pauly Paulie passed away. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pauly Galtieri. And I can't remember his real name, but somebody else passed away. Yeah. And we can't, yeah, we there can't was run the one. show off the rails trying to remember it. But there was another one. Oh, James no. Conn. It was James Conn.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. James Conn. And so, yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, you started thinking, man, and it was like, hold on. You know, so it started looking up. Dude, you, Clint Eastwood. Dude, Clint Eastwood's past ninety. He's ninety two.
0: Yeah, right. He, he and, doesn't have much time. I don't think.
1: And I'm going to tell you right now, that's going to be a sad day. That's going to be a sad day. And you, when I started looking at it, you know, I was like, okay, well, who, what actors are there left that are, you know, of that caliber. You know, even the potential actors, right? You know, those who are young coming up, you know. Remember remember when we were in Houston and we had that kid, you know, that was uh, that was uh, that Augie who was helping us out and he did not know who Charles Bronson was. Oh, I wanted to hit that kid. He
0: was nice, but that was almost a, a, a striking offense.
1: Yes. He was like, who's Charles Bronson? It was like, I'm going to make you walk back to the hotel from here. Like, I'm going to put you out of this car. in Houston, guess what, buddy? Houston's a big city. Um, and you're going to be walking for a long time. And I hope you don't get shanked. Uh, it was, you know, but you... Dude, there are no... There are no really, you know, Clint Eastwood-esque, um, you know, actors left in Hollywood.
0: They're not. I think that his son uh, could take that mantle. His son's a good actor. And I think that his son could pull that off. Um I thought he was really good in uh, the outpost. Uh, Scott Eastwood I think his name is. He, I mean but he he's not his dad. He's not Charles Bronson. Um I think that you know I watched a movie called Spiderhead or something like that on Netflix the other night. I think it was Netflix or Amazon, I don't remember. Not important. But it had uh, Chris Hemsworth in it. Uh, Thor. Oh okay, yeah. And uh you know he showed a little bit more of his range in that movie. He's like a crazy scientist who's doing uh, mind uh, experiments on people. And man, I was like, he's a good actor. He's more than just Thor. I thought he was really good in that movie. Um, (laughs) uh, I was, it takes place in Mumbai and he, he, Pulls the kid out who was kidnapped by the bad guys. Extraction. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Extraction, yeah, yeah. I, thought,
0: I thought he was good in that, but that, you know, that's the action hero type movie. And that that movie I loved because it pulled no punches. It was just, it was like an old action movie. I've, I've heard that the John Wick movies are like that. So there's still Keanu Reeves out there. Uh, I haven't seen the John Wick movies, but I, I heard those are pull no punches action just all the way through. So, yeah. But Keanu's getting old. Keanu, dude, old Keanu Reeves is, dude, Keanu Reeves, he's over, he's got to be over 50 by now. Easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easy. Uh, I mean, for, sure. point, point break was a long time ago. And I want to say he and Brad Pitt are about the same age. And yeah, I, I think that, hmm, you know, we you mentioned a few but uh, that are still alive. We both did. Uh, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis, Gary Oldman, William H. Macy, and Joaquin Phoenix. You know, if those guys are well, – Daniel Day-Lewis says he's retired. I don't think that dude's coming back. Um <laughs> That's too bad. But when those guys put out a movie, especially Oldman and Joaquin Phoenix, I'm probably going to want to see it. You know? Um, yeah,
1: yeah. I just, you know, I when I look at Clint Eastwood, right, and, and Joaquin Phoenix, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was absolutely phenomenal as a Joker, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was absolutely phenomenal and walk the line. I thought he did a fantastic Johnny Cash. Um, it was great because him and Reese Witherspoon, they actually sang those songs, uh, themselves. And, you know, he was, I watched one of his interviews, you know, afterward, you know, about walk the line and stuff like that. And he's, you know, he was like, man, he goes, you know, when, when they tell you, you, you are going to sing Johnny Cash's, you know, songs, He's like, I've you know, I've I've had pressure before. He's like, but I've never felt that level of pressure. It's like I have to do this right, you know, because it's it's Johnny Cash, and you know, it, it, it's the Man in Black, and you, you can't mess that up. But but when I look at Joaquin Phoenix, like I don't see, I don't see Josie Wales, you know, and, no, and so no. you know, and so I I guess when you know I say there's there there's no. You know, there's no Clint Eastwood's left, you know, in in, in Hollywood. Like, you know, where is that guy who's going to come in and pull off Josie Wales and and do it, you know, and and it be believable? I think maybe Chris Hemsworth can, um, but I think the problem when I look at like you know actors like Hemsworth and even Chris Pratt um, and a couple others, dude, all I see is they're making Marvel films. You know, they're making these superhero films where it's just it's all CGI. You know, it's not it's not. You know, as as Ricky Gervais said, you know, at the Golden, it's it's not cinema, it's not, it's just you know, it's CGI and you know, capes and that's it. And uh, you know, I hope Daniel Day Lewis is not done um, because he is another one, man. That guy is, that guy's phenomenal. I I don't think I've seen a bad Daniel Day Lewis film. Um, He was, dude, the butcher, right? Gangs in New York. Like it's just phenomenal. Um, There will be blood. Phenomenal.
0: William Plainview, Uh, man.
1: I I, William Plainview, and I like plain talk, you know. And and, as Lincoln, And Lincoln, dude, I mean, just he he absolutely crushed it. Um, But yeah, dude, I don't know who the
0: man. I don't. I don't know who the Charles Bronsons and the Yule (laughs) Brenners are anymore. And that day's probably. I think Hollywood is is fighting against those days. You know the rugged loner, uh, the uh, Dirty Dozen, uh, the Magnificent Seven. You know all men. You know doing man things. Josie Wells, the the loner out for blood, revenge. Jeremiah Johnson, so on and so forth. I mean, you know, I I wish Hollywood ju- would just pull its head out and realize. You talked about CGI. Uh, there was very little uh, CGI in Maverick. You know, Top yeah. Gun movie. Very very little. Um, uh, in fact, there was so little, I think it may, might've took up less than 20 seconds of screen time of CGI. There's, there was that little, which was, it's like, we don't want CGI and we want to be entertained. You know, it's, uh, and it, this, this might dovetail into, into kind of what we're going to talk about this episode. Uh, we're already <laughs> almost half an hour in, <laughs> but I, I think it's good. It's good, good conversation, but. I mean, look how successful Maverick was. And, of course, part of that is because it it was on the heels of Top Gun. You know, there would be no Maverick without Top Gun. But, man, just follow the formula, Hollywood, for crying out loud. I mean, it's just too easy. Um, If they got back to that, they would make money. That's why I just don't understand. Get back to Josie Wells. Get back to, you know, uh, High Plains Drifter. Um, Yes. What was the one where he was a ghost? uh, Pale Rider. Yeah, well, I don't know, even know but whatever. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, did you have you watched? A, it, we watched the first episode of Terminal List last night with Chris Pratt. Of course, he's a Navy Seal, but yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 intrigued. I, I like Chris Pratt, and I'm intrigued by it. I thought, uh, according to one of my friends, one of our listeners, Darren, he said the first episode is not necessarily a snoozer, but. You know, you catch yourself like, okay, it's moving kind of slow. Okay, okay, and then man, it just picks up according to him. So you know, we'll see how that goes. I'll tell you real quick. Uh, you said Daniel Day Lewis. His last film, in my opinion, was a stinker. It was called The Phantom Thread. I, I, yeah, I, it, I, it was. It was about some fashion designer in like the nineteen or maybe even the late eighteen. I don't know. It was just it was bad. And it's like, man, Daniel Day Lewis, Hawkeye, you really gonna go out? like that you're gonna go out like that you can't go out like that you gotta do something else man but hopefully he will but like so let's I don't know do you want to you want to stick with movies or just dive right in since you were talking about Johnny Cash uh to the to the to, to the state of music these days uh and we can a- absolutely circle back we can Jen Psaki it back to movies if you want but why don't you start us off man Why don't you start us off? Because, brother, we have a lot to say about this. (laughs) So, yeah. So,
1: yeah, we can circle back to movies, man, because I still got some more to say on movies. Um, Because I I think it's important, like, you brought up, you know, those, those loners, you know, know, those men doing men things. And Hollywood got away from that, right? You know, you, you went from, you know, we grew up with, you know, we grew up with Josie Wales, we grew up with Rooster Cockburn, you know, True Grit. Um, you know, we grew up with those folks and, you know, this generation's growing up with, you know, Edward, whatever his name is and, you know, he's a vampire and, you know, whatever that crap. Um, I forget the name of the movies. Uh, Twilight. Twilight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, they, they tried it and it was successful, right? So you go back and look at, Leonardo DiCaprio in the Revenant that movie, oh, yeah. dude, that movie was yeah. men doing men stuff. Yeah, it's good movie. And It was, it was what finally got Leonardo his, you know, his Oscar. And it, it, it should have. Um, I thought it was very good. I think he's a good, I think Leonardo DiCaprio is a good actor. Ooh, Tom
0: um, Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, Tom
1: Hardy. Tom Hardy was good in that. Yeah. um, you know, so like, and that was a, that was a successful, you know, a successful movie and it, they have it, man. It just, I think it comes down to, you know, and this will just go ahead and said, seg- segue into the music. It comes down to, you know, who, who are the, the directors and who are the companies paying for the movie? You know, and it comes down, it's kind of like music. It's a label, you know, kind of like you said earlier, man, it comes down to the labels, but it, it, still got more to say on the, on the movies, man. Cause I, I, I want to talk Robert Shaw. Um, go ahead, man. Who I tell you, dude, so Robert Shaw, Robert Shaw is probably one of the most underrated actors, you know, out, out, out there. Um, again, that, that, you know, he was the original jaws, Quint, you know, that loner, um, you know, who's, who's, who's his boat around and, you know, he's like, Hey, for $10,000, you know, I get you the shark, get you the fish, get you the whole darn thing. Um, and, uh, you know, his his monologue with when he talks about the Indianapolis, you know, when it went down and everything, Richard Dreyfus even said he was like, the look that's on Richard Dreyfus's face is natural because Richard Dreyfus, dude, Robert Shaw improved the entire thing. It he just straight it wasn't scripted. He just straight went that and Richard Dreyfus at it and said that was the most that that was the most perfect piece of acting he had ever seen in his life at that point. And uh you know, he's sitting there with his mouth hanging open. He's like, it's not obviously not because of the story. It's like, it's because Robert Shaw just straight, straight did that off the cuff. Um, so anyway, so it, dude, the music. Yes. The absolute, absolute state of music right now is, it's a hot mess. I, I don't even know how to it. Like it, it, it's a hot mess. Um, you know, we, we were kind of talking and uh, you know, we, Talking a little bit about the music, and we've kind of you know danced around it a little bit, bef- you know, on here before from time to time. But man, I found myself I was listening to uh to Spotify, you know, earlier this morning while I was outside working, you know, just have some music in the background. And it's early in the morning; I'm the only one awake, and you know, out there sweating. Man, dude, you know, like we were saying, man, it's hot. So I'm out there sweating. Listen to Spotify, and I got to thinking, you know, it's kind of like with the actors. You know, so I'm listening to, it's a mix. You know, there's some, there's some rock in there. Um, I'm talking about, you know, mid, late eighties, early nineties rock and some country. And I'm talking about country pre 1990 country. And, you know, I got to, got to thinking uh, George Jones's song, who's going to fill their shoes came on and I think it, man, dude, the overall state of music, country music, it's, and it's it's garbage. it is garbage. It is one hundred percent pure unadulterated garbage. um the stuff that they try and pass today as music, and I would say in almost all genres is garbage and it's just it's not it's not there anymore. so I guess for you we'll we'll just kind of start it start off when did rock and roll we'll start with rock and roll when did rock and roll die? and why? oh
0: okay. That's a really good question. <laughs> I see I see patterns, right? I see patterns cuz man, you're right, Josh. There is so much to say about music. And and this episode might be our stinker, but we ain't going out on a stinker. Believe me, there will be an episode 94 y'all That's just right. in. So you can shut it off now <laughs> bitches. I Okay, so PG-13, I think bitches is okay. So we're going to, st- It's now we don't have the, we don't have potty mouth Roger here with us. So Maybe we'll make it through without some, uh, <laughs> without, an without an F-bomb or, or, or taco <laughs> jokes or anything like that. Okay. So I, I believe that there are patterns. Okay. I definitely believe in cyclical patterns. I, it's part of what defines me and my, my outlook on the world. Right. So l- I'll, I'll use a basketball thing. I say a lot. I think that for a, a good time in the NBA for a good amount of time. And I think it's probably still like this. Uh, Michael Jordan was the best and worst thing to happen to, uh, the game of basketball, professional basketball, uh, the best as, uh, in that he revolutionized the game in a number of ways. He revolutionized marketing. Uh, we all got to see him play. He's the goat. Don't talk to me about Kobe or LeBron. He's the goat period. Um, He's the worst thing for revolutionizing the marketing aspect of the NBA as a whole and uh, you know, the clothing industry and, and, and things like that. Because what everyone saw was, okay, here's a formula. Here's a formula on how to get super successful uh, selling shoes or uh, jerseys or soda pop or whatever. Uh, so what they started doing was making as many superstars as possible. And the game, in my opinion, started to resemble uh, the 1970s NBA, which was awful. It was god-awful in the 70s because it was a bunch of what my dad would call hot dogs out for themselves. Uh, they didn't play team ball. And I think that we hit the low watermark with uh, uh, professional basketball in the 2004 Olympics where they, the dream team won bronze and Allen Iverson was, uh, the hardest, uh, playing player out on the, out on the floor with the most passion. I was like, this is this is crap. And I stopped to watch the NBA for about, oh, over 10 years, I think. So that's a pattern that I also apply to country music. I'll let you do country and rock, uh, because you already made your point with country music. I'm not going to ruin that for you. So, you know, you can address my points with rock, agree, disagree, and then, you know, you can cover country, but, With rock, I think that like Michael Jordan to basketball, I think that uh, the grunge movement was the best and worst thing to happen to rock and roll. Uh, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Pearl Jam. uh, I always leave somebody at Temple of the Dog. Somebody always calls me out. It's like, Luke, you forgot this one. Well, yeah, I mean, because there were a bunch of them. They were all good. Um, But it ruined rock and roll. It was great because the movement was awesome. The music was awesome, but then nobody knew what to do after that. It's like, how do you, once everybody grew out of grunge, how do you go back to poison? How do you go back to Motley Crue? Um, You know what we got after the grunge movement? We got Nickelback. That's what we got. And it's like, I don't know exactly the phenomenon why. I just think that grunge threw a wrench in and they can't, they couldn't quite figure out what to do afterwards with rock. I mean, rock, good lord. You think the state of uh country's bad? I I couldn't even tell you a rock song, you know. I mean, I think that there's a few every once in a while that come along. Like, you know, I think this guy, uh, Daughtry, he had a couple of good songs, but it wasn't Motley Crue, it wasn't uh, Van Halen, it wasn't uh, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, it was just kind of a recycled. Bleh. I mean, so do you agree with that? That it might have been the grunge movement, or you think it was earlier, or maybe later? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's 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 my view. What do you, if you agree with that? Why do you think grunge uh, spelled the end for for rock and roll for for a very long time?
1: No, I agree. Um, because when you look at it, Nirvana came on you know Nirvana came on the scene, you know, really hard what 90 somewhere between 92 94, somewhere in there. It was, I think it I was, was in a, high school
0: when they showed up. It was 9192 because okay. on the way on the way to and I I've always been behind on trends. You name it. Music, <laughs> clothing, fashion, uh movies, well maybe not movies, but I, okay, so the reason I know it's 9192 is because I was on the way after graduating high school. I was on the way. We were doing like a senior all night party thing, you know, yep. and uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit came on the radio. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever heard. And my buddy was like, dude, this came out like three months ago. Where have you been? What planet are you on? So I know it was 9192. I <laughs> graduated high school in 92. So I'm sorry okay. to cut you off. Go on. No,
1: no, no. No, all good. Yeah. So, yeah. So that came out and that's about, you know, you, you go back and look, that's about a couple of years later, I would say, you know, is when rock and roll just really, it it, it fizzled out, Um, you know, and I do think the grunge movement, because I remember in high school, you know, you had, you had your group of kids who, who, who were, they were the, the Metallica, the Guns N' Roses, Poison Motley Crue crowd. And then you had the group of kids who, you know, creed sister hazel you know pearl jam nirvana um you know crowd and that was really prevalent especially you know like pearl jam stone temple pilots like you said those were really popular i graduated high school in 95 and those were you know those were the things um that were super popular then and it just it's i i think you're right um i think you layer on top of that music streaming and it got, you know, it got easier to, to access music. Um, even if you did it, you know, illegally through Napster, um, you know, before, and then it just really that led into, you know, the, the CD craze came out and then, you know, people could burn stuff onto, you know, later, you know, cause before it was, Hey man, you had to wait for your song to come on the radio and you had to hit it just right if you were dubbing a tape right and man if you were if you were really rich you had a radio that had two tape decks on it to where you could make copies of tapes um and so i think once you started streaming it was easier just to pull the songs you wanted um and then you know to just i think you're right i think they found that formula and was like okay what made nirvana successful nirvana was a good band they had good songs Um, but what was, you know, what made them successful? And then they just tried to, you know, they tried to cookie cutter that on top of everything. And I'll tell you, I want to stay on the rock and roll thing. Um, so I'll throw it back over to you, but you know, just keep this in the back of your head. This is what happened with country music and Garth Brooks.
0: Absolutely. You were going to, you were going to, I was going to let you go with that. So I'll make one point about rock kind of. And then uh, kick it back to you for for, to expand on that one. Um, Maybe the demise of rock and roll had something to do with uh, hip hop uh, hitting it so big because that's that's about when hip hop started to really break out was I mean, really break out into the mainstream Uh, It was 92, 93. And, you know, I guess people could make an argument that Biggie and Tupac were the best things that happened to hip hop and the worst, you know, so. It wasn't cool. Rock and roll was not cool anymore in the mainstream. Um, so maybe hip hop had something to do with that demise because it's like grunge. Okay. And that that ran its course. And then hip hop, it's like, okay, I'm getting away from this grunge thing and moving over into what's cool because there was nothing to replace uh, uh, Nickelback. There was no one to take up the mantle of Motley Crue and, and Van Halen and Metallica. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, that, that, I'm sure there's other factors to this. You know, of course, you know, we're boiling yeah. it down and making it seem simple. But, uh, okay. yeah, I, I, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things they figured out, Josh, too, is like with R&B, you listen to Snoop talk and Snoop is actually pretty intelligent. If you listen to him for a really long time, you've got to listen to him <laughs> talk for a long time. Be like, OK, all right. Now I get I get Snoop's got a thought process on this is excuse me. <clears throat> he said that. He said that um, they started when they first started out. They were plugging like Alize and you know all you know alcohol products, watches, car brands, and they started to see. Oh my God, these car brands are now actually selling more. You know these alcohol. It was really alcohol, is what it was. Uh, What was the big one? Uh, The cognac.
1: Oh, uh, Remy.
0: Remy and uh, yeah, you Um know.
1: I know the, the one. Yeah, I know what you're talking about.
0: He said when they caught on to that, it was like, oh, now we're really going to make money, you know, because they had done a test bed, doing it for free, plugging products for free, and they were like, no, this is BS. So what the music industry figured out was, you remember back in a day, uh, you had your headbangers at school, right? You had your yep. you, had, you had your headbangers, and they dressed a certain way. Oh, that yeah. was that wasn't being direct marketed to them. They were just trying to look like what. Uh, what the you know uh, Vince Neil looked like? They were right. just trying to look like uh, ACDC. The music industry finally figured out we can direct market this stuff to people who listen to our music. We can plug it in the songs itself. So now when you see somebody dressing a certain way, it's because it's been plugged to them. Not and and they are trying to emulate their favorite artists. But back in the eighties and nineties, that was not a thing. You know, hey, check out this jacket I've got. It's a uh, you know, X brand and you should get it. You know, it wasn't that they were just going out and trying to find the thing that looked most like, uh, Eddie Van Halen up on stage. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think you're, you're, you're spot on with the hip hop thing because, you know, as, as rock and roll was dying out, you know, especially, you know, as I was, you know, kind of finishing up high school, dude, Dr. Dre dropped the chronic and
0: Game that, I changer. mean,
1: Dude, I so I listen to pretty much anything, by and large, when it comes to music, I listen to G it. Really, it comes down to what I'm doing. Like I, you know, I, dude, I love country music. I don't listen to country music when I'm working out. Like I can't do it. It drives me nuts. I'm listening. to when I'm, I'm listening to rock and rap. You know, when when I'm working out. Um, you know, oh, well, you can
0: you can you can find a happy medium there and listen to that. You know, Luke Bryan rap song. You know. <laughs>
1: Would yeah, that, yeah, yeah, uh, Catfish yeah. Oh, Jenner, yeah,
0: gonna have a winner winner that you it's know, that one. so
1: bad, dude, it's so bad country. Uh, he's, he's such garbage. Um, and, uh, but I think you're right in hip hop and there was no there was there was nothing to turn to because and, and then, you know, some of the rock bands, they did it to themselves, you know, as well, man, I, you know, Guns N' Roses could have kept going, but they they turned around and they released, you know, this the spaghetti incident. And it was like, okay, you're done. Like this began, you know, it was just a cover on a bunch of old songs, and they were terrible cover. It was absolutely terrible, you know. Skinny Axle Rose was, you know, he was a tra- he was well past tracer burnout, um, you know, and then he came back, and they're actually touring again a little bit, you know. Fat Axle Rose is uh, is touring a little bit, <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, you know, you see the VH1, where are they now? It's like watching the uh, it's like watching the old wrestler documentaries, man. It's just it's sad you look at someone man it's so it's so sad um but with man, you know you're right there there was nothing to replace it with um and and country music my gosh just an absolute an, an absolute dumpster fire so i remember growing up i you know riding on the front you know in my dad's pickup truck, he had a Ford f one fifty and he had that like you I don't know if you remember those seat covers that were like burlap with the faux leather like you know like strip in the middle, <laughs> oh yeah, but it would do, but it would like it would scrape off your first two layers of epidermis, you know, just sit in it it was so rough um. It's just like, man, it's dude in the summer in Florida. Like, that thing got so damn hot, too. Heaven forbid you sit on the, uh, on the pleather part of it. Like, you, like, you, that was, you were done. But there's this country station out of Quincy, Florida. And I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but it was, that was what played on my dad in my dad's truck. And it was a country, it was old country. I'm talking Ernest Tubb, Roy A. Cuff, Cash, Waylon Haggard, Buck Owens, Charlie Pride. Like, it, dude, it was the old, old country. And, you know, to to quote David Allen Coe from the Rye band, the music coming out of those speakers was solid country gold. Um and that was that was country. You know, country really came on the scene in the really in the 50s. Um, you know, not until the 50s, before, you know, you had your folk songs and stuff like that. And then, you know, Harlan Howard said in the 1950s, you know, country music, somebody asked him what country music was. He's like, It's three chords and the truth. That's what country music is. And, and then you had all these kind of like these different variants of country, right? You had kind of like the West coast country. So like Buck Owens and, and Dwight Yokum, right? They, those were kind of like a working blue collar, California kind of country sound to them. Then you had like Bill Monroe out of Kentucky. They had the, you know, he had the high lonesome sound that he coined, you know, that bluegrass, um, and then, you know, country over the years, it kind of ebbed and flowed and evolved. And you had the, you know, you had the outlaw country, um, you know, because guys wanted to go do what they wanted to go do. And the record labels were like, no, we got to do this or you got to do that. And, you know, a bunch of them, you know, basically told the told the record labels to, to pound sand. And, you know, it's, you know it was kind of like when Johnny Cash, um, you know, basically told the record labels, like, I'm going to make the album at Folsom Prison. And they were like, well, we really don't want you to do that. We don't think that's a good idea. This was, you know, after he came, you know, he kind of came clean and, you know, found God and, you know, got off the pills and and stuff. And uh, he was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And, dude, I mean, dude, Folsom Folsom Prison, that that album was absolutely amazing. And then Country... You know come, come on in it kind of died off a little in the 70s because it's not popular it's like dude it, it was like bourbon right it was like bourbon in the 70s and 80s that was your granddad's drink that was great nobody wanted to drink granddad's drink um and then of all things urban cowboy urban cowboy got people back onto the country train a little bit and then you had you know then jr ewing you know Bobby got shot, and there was some country on there, and people were like, man, I, you know, they started to listen to it after, you know, Dallas and stuff like this. And then, you know, so you had the 80s, you know, country. It was pretty good. And, you know, eventually you get to the best thing and the worst thing that happened to country music, which is Garth Brooks. And it goes, it speaks directly back to what you said. Garth Brooks came on, and dude, when I first heard Garth Brooks, I liked him. You know, Friends in Low Places, like, man, that's a good song, right? And, you know, because you could relate to, at at the time, you could relate, I could relate to most country songs, you know? I grew up on a dirt road. I didn't grow up with a lot of money, you know? Parents were blue collar, um, you know? And and so, we got it. And and, and that's just what I listened to, and I really liked it. Um, But Garth Brooks came on, and man, he absolutely tore it up. I mean, I don't know if he ever surpassed the Beatles in albums sold, but I know he was pushing. He was really pushing to try and pass the Beatles for the, you know, the number one all-time album selling artist. Um, and, but he had that, he dude, he mixed it all up. It was pop, folk, rock. He had some honky-tonk in there. Um, Roping the Wind, when it debuted, it debuted at number one on the chart. First one to ever do it. I mean, it would, dude, he burned it down. Um, I never got to see him at concert, but I got to see videos, stuff like that, man. He, he just burned it down. And they they saw that model. Labels saw that model. It's like, okay, I don't care about the music. What's the gimmick? Right? How does Garth put people in seats? And it was just like, the entertainment, the fireworks, all this, you know, all this glitz and glam to the concert that they stopped giving a shit about the lyrics. And then they let him go do that Chris Gaines crap. When he was like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this as Chris Gaines, and he released that the what was that, the Life of Chris Gaines or something? And then he did. The, did you see the SNL episode? He hosted. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was it was train wreck, right? Dude, it was a disaster. He hosted SNL as Garth Brooks, but in that same show that he hosted, he played as Chris Gaines. And he was like, "I'm Chris Gaines." And blah, blah. It was like, "Dude, you were just hosting the show like five seconds ago." And scar. And he he went straight rock. You know, he tried to do this rock thing with it, and it was just like, "Somebody get, dude! Somebody like get him off the stage and like go get him clean." Um, and then, man, kind of the mid '90s was I, I, I think. I think the early '90s was the high water mark for country music. I think after after the early '90s, I think it it's done. It is it, dead. You got this. You, you said Luke Bryan. This Luke, I, dude. Luke Bryan, Florida Georgia Line. Like these guys are this bro country. Bro country. Um, Florida Georgia Line has a song. I forget what it was. It's probably their biggest song. It has a synthesized banjo in it. A synthesized banjo. Bro, you talk flat and scrugs. Absolutely, absolutely not amused with your synthesized banjo. And it didn't, but it, and it doesn't have to be that. And there's a bunch of others, man. Um Rascal Flats. The backstreet boys of country. They're not country. Um and some of the listeners may may throw egg at me for this one, but I'm gonna throw it. Toby Keith, Toby Keith kind of predated a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, current bro country guys, but dude, I saw Toby Keith in Baghdad back, I don't know, four oh five. I can't remember the year. Um, he, one, he sounds terrible in person. He sounds worse than he does, you know, uh, on the radio. And the guy's a douche, like he was a douchebag. Like, he was just a dude. He's like, I mean, he reminds me that he's like the Al Bundy of country music. Like, he never grew up. Like, he, he, you know, he talks about all this trash, about how he used to work in the oil fields and, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, when he graduated high school. That's, but he never, he, mentally, he never graduated. Um, Dirks Dirks Bentley's another. Uh, Jason Aldean. All these guys. It's just, and I don't know how we got away from country again. I think Garth Brooks is really what, what killed it. Um, you know, but again, and after Garth Brooks, after everybody, after they rode that show pony, you know, to the end, I don't think they knew how to get back to George Strait, you know, and Alan Jackson.
0: There's too much money involved, man. There, there was too much money involved and I may go down a rabbit hole on this one. Uh, But they saw a winning formula and they made more money than they know what to do with, Uh, specifically in the Michael Jordan case and then the Garth Brooks case. It's like, oh, we've got something here. Why would we go back? Because, you know, as you know, George, it wasn't it's not about art at all. It's not about uh, making music better. Uh, It was about making money. Uh, And I think hip hop went the same way with that. They saw what The Chronic did and they were like, how do we make more money? And I do think that Dr. Dre is an artist, but I also think he's an entrepreneur. (laughs) He definitely is an entrepreneur more than he is an artist. And he's a great artist. Uh, But, you know, he he found Eminem, uh, which was ballsy, ballsy. And Eminem back in the day, man, this is something we've never heard before. But then he found 50 Cent. And that was when, you know, Jay-Z and, you know, Puff Daddy kind of did the same thing, went down the, the money route. And it's just like, let's find what people, what people will snap their fingers and bob their heads to. Uh, and, and it just went that way. There, there was no um, motivation uh, to go back to making it edifying. So I, I think I may have said this on the show before, you know, I, I say mainstream pop country is what we're talking about now. Mainstream pop country. <laughs> mainstream, uh, R and B hip hop. Okay. This stuff is candy. Okay. I can, I, I'm not, a am not ashamed to say it, dude. Uh, Britney Spears hit me baby one more time. When that comes on, I'm like, yeah, doing the white boy overbite, you know, because it's <laughs> designed to do that. It's like Facebook, right? It's like Twitter. It has been designed to have your brain say, that's a hook that I like and your brain catches the hook it it likes and your head starts bouncing, you know, but that's candy dude. That will rot your teeth out of your head. The same way that music will rot your soul. It will rot your <laughs> mind. Whereas Johnny Cash, uh, George Strait, Tupac, the list goes on. That's like a steak and potatoes and vegetables. Okay. That's your broccoli that, that you need to, you know, to keep your body going. And uh, to, to keep your 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 soul active and alive and to keep your mind working and thinking, you know, you can't live. Is candy nice? Sure. Candy's nice. I like to listen to uh, uh, In the Club by 50 Cent every once in a while. Uh, that's actually uh, I got a couple of 50 Cent songs on my workout mix, but it's candy. It, it's, it's nice to eat candy every once in a while, but you can't live off it, bro. You can't. And like these country artists, you know, you talk about Luke Bryan, uh who's the guy that's married to uh no doubt gwen stefani um oh uh blake shelton blake shelton okay i'm gonna i'm gonna take those two guys i'm not gonna say that they are completely without musical talent but that's not the point they are producing records for a label that tells them i bet luke bryan could probably write a pretty good song I bet he could write a pretty good song and, you know, that the sound a little bit like George Strait back in the day, but there's no way the studio is going to let him put that on their album. And if they do, it's going to be track number nine. (laughs) They're just never going to get any (laughs) radio play. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I look at like Keith Urban, right? I bet Keith Urban probably falls into, into the line of, of pop country artists that you're like garbage, you know? And I would, I would kind of agree with you on that. He's he's no Johnny Cash. He's no uh he, he's no uh uh George Strait. Uh the other artist you mentioned, Willie Nelson, uh, uh David Allen Coe, but Keith Urban, I've seen him play. I've seen him perform. That dude was born in the wrong decade. That dude should have been born in the 1960s so he could have rocked us in the 1980s. Yep. And, but that's the point. It's like, there was nowhere for Keith Urban to go. There's nowhere for Luke Bryan to go. Uh, They had to go country. They're not going hip hop. And they're they're definitely, you know, you want to make a lot of money, Keith Urban, here's what you do. You sing about country roads and cattle and, you know, going down main street, you know, and going to the homecoming. So he learned to do that. And now he's rich. So I bet you didn't know the beef between Toby Keith and Carlton Zeus. Did you know about that? Oh man. Um, I don't, dude, I don't know if you mentioned that one time or not. I probably told, I probably told you, but I, I I don't think I told the audience long time ago. So back in the day, uh, Carlton Zeus, uh, and I really, really want to get him on the show. But the, the first time I learned that, uh, he was an artist was, um, at work, actually, I was working with him and somebody came in and said, have you seen his uh, his video? And I'm like, his video. And he pulls up YouTube and his, he's got a video on YouTube called Sharpie Solo. And uh, this was 2009, 10 ish, 2010, I think. And I, I watched it and the guy who had showed me the video was like making fun of Carlton Zeus, like, look at this. And I was listening to it. and I'm like, boy, this is a good song, bro. Why are you making fun of it? I mean, this is really good. It's catchy. The lyrics are awesome. And so I was like, man, dude, bro. And so I went to him. You know, I went to Carlton Zeus. I don't know if he wants us using his real name on here. So I went to him, and I was like, dude, this is, this is really something special. And he was real humble, and he told me all about it. And I just thought it was the greatest thing. If you, go check out Sharpie Solo on iTunes or Spotify. It's a good song. It's about living in San Antonio uh, and, and maybe down into the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, his own personal experience he, he you know talks about uh, dive places in San Antonio. It's just a very entertaining song. it's It's catchy uh, and you'll like it. So go check out uh, Sharpie solo. there's there's your plug, uh, Carlton Zeus. you're welcome. Um, so but anyway, so if, uh, I think about a year after Sharpie solo came out, you know it's it's like here's a Sharpie and a solo cup. Welcome to the party. Here's a Sharpie and a solo cup. Yeah, that's kind of what the what the song's about. And a couple years after that, uh, Toby Keith came out with Red Solo Cup. Now they have those two songs are so dissimilar, right? But I think what caught—and we'll ask uh, Carlton Zeus when he comes on the show—we'll ask him to to tell this story because I may not be getting it all right. But what caught his eye was that the guy who produced Sharpie Solo had co-writing credits for Red Solo Cup with Toby Keith. Hmm. Oh no. So. Back then I don't think Carlton Zeus had signed to any labels yet. So he was like any looking for any press at all. Anything he could get. So he he brought it up on like a local radio station. He's like, you know, I think it's kind of strange that this happened, you know, in an interview. He never accused Toby Keith of anything. He just think he said, Hey man, I think it's strange, right? I, I know the songs aren't the same, but it's just kind of strange. You know, I do a Sharpie and a solo cup and now there's Red Solo Cup. So that somehow got to Toby Keith that he had brought he had he had called him out. I so to it. speak. So Toby Keith comes on a, a nationally syndicated radio show and says, Yeah, there's this old boy. He's white, but thinks he's black rapping and saying that he, I stole his song. And man, that was absolutely the wrong thing to say because Carlton Zeus is Hispanic <laughs> <laughs> and he's a veteran. Oh, and it's like, yeah. no, you know, instead of maybe tearing this guy down, and you obviously didn't listen to what he said because it was kind of a joke what he was saying on the radio. He didn't accuse him of anything. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people in San Antonio do not, and going down into South Texas, do not like Toby Keith because of that. He's not welcome around there because that was, you know, Carlson Zeus doesn't have, you know, half, I mean, a quarter of the audience size or reach that Toby Keith does. But man, that was kind of a crappy thing to do. You know, yeah. instead of doing that, maybe he could have listened to, what the guy actually said and maybe helped a veteran become deaf, yeah. bring him on stage or something that would have turned it. He, you know, Carlton Zeus would have made it probably five years before he actually did. If Toby Keith would have just been like, Oh, this is a vet. Maybe I shouldn't talk crap about him because that's how I made all my money during the, exactly. during, the, during the, you know, the global war on terror. Was playing to people's emotions and all that stuff. So I kind of went off there, Josh. I mean, yeah, so now everybody knows that there was a beef between Carlton Zeus and and Toby Keith.
1: Dude, I did not. I did not know that. Um, that's dude. That's bananas. Hey, you know what though? That that dude that matches. Like I said, man, when he came over, when he came over to Iraq, um, it's you can tell when somebody is genuine. And when somebody is just patronizing you but you like it's it, it's obvious and you know he was he he was not genuine you know he he looked for any opportunity you know if if there wasn't a camera if there wasn't you know like press there whether it be the pao or whether it be an actual you know a news uh you know uh a civilian news outlet in the immediate vicinity he wasn't stopping to shake hands he wasn't saying hi he wasn't signing autographs you know he 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 was definitely definitely there for the uh you know for the accolades of you know i'm the i'm the bob hope of you know uso now you know uh entertaining the troops and uh it, it was just it, it was uh i i it, it turned me off and You know, but like you said, you know, Toby Keys with some others, he's got that model that he's got some songs that, you know, there's a hook there. And, you know, when they come on, you just, you you know, you find next thing you know, your head's, your head's bobbing, um, you know, to it. So I don't know. Country music is so broken, too, because they even got to uh, they even got to the point to where, like, dude, there's like. There's ongoing feuds, you know, within country Um, between some, you know, between some, some artists and, you know, I think it was Zach Brown. So Zach Brown, band, you know, they came out and they're pretty good. They've got some, uh, you know, they, they started out with chicken fried and, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Their country, they're, they've got, they, they they've got a little bit of a pop sound to them, but, you know, they did. They did some stuff with alan jackson and uh and stuff and luke Bryan. i forget which luke Bryan song it was but it came out and zach brown said that is the worst song i've ever heard in my life and luke Bryan and jason aldean and and every you know all the other bro country boys um, you know, they ganged up on, on Zach Brown. It was like, oh, you know, that's garbage. You can't say that. Don't say that about another artist. You know, Zach Brown was basically like, all right, man, well, you're not country, but whatever, you know, cause if you turn on, you turn on mainstream country right now, here's what you're, here's what you're going to find. Here's what you're going to listen to. Luke Bryan's going to sing about trucks, moneymakers, and moonshine. Florida Georgia Line's going to sing about trucks, moneymakers, and moonshine. Bunch of other guys are gonna sing about trucks, money makers, and moonshine. You didn't ever hear George Jones singing about somebody shaking their money maker. I mean, it's just it would it would have never happened. And then, and I have a love hate relationship with Tim McGraw. So you have Tim McGraw. Right. Tim McGraw comes on and when he first comes on, you know, he has a couple of bangers. They, they were good songs, man. And they were, cu- they were country songs. Um, you know, don't take the girl. Like that was a fantastic song. Um, you know, and then I would even say like maybe where the green grass grows, something like that. Like that was a good song. And then he, 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 he goes all woke and makes some anti-2A comments. So he's, you know, you know me, man, as soon as you get death. Yeah, as soon as he did that, man, I was like, you know, I, the big old f bomb and followed by Tim McGraw's name. Um, so, and then he, he, and then getting back into the, you know, the movie, you know, TV show stuff. He makes 1883, which is one of my new favorite. Dude, this is my new is, is one of my new favorite TV shows. Like I, you know, dude, I thought he was a phenomenal actor, and I was like, I don't want to like you, like I don't want to like you because you're Tim McGraw and you hate guns, but you're, damn man, you're really good. And, I, and I'm angry at myself for 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 liking him in 1883. But anyway, but he comes out, and maybe it's because you know he's he's you know married to Faith Hill and and whatever, and she's half crazy. But he comes out, and he's putting out the same garbage that Jason Aldean and these guys are, are, are out here. And then you have Jake Owen. I don't know if you heard any songs. Jake Owen's out there rapping. I'm here to tell you and everybody listening, go tell your friends, tell them to tell their friends. The only white person on this planet that should be rapping is Eminem. That's it.
0: I disagree with you there, but I'll, I'll, I'll cover that later. <laughs>
1: uh, I dude. No, 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 no. i am telling you right now. He's the only one that should be rapping. And then Tim McGraw, he tried I disagree, to do that. Dude. Okay. It, Tim McGraw tried to do that rap crap with Nellie. Um and whatever it was. And it was like, this is terrible. God, what was are you doing? Bad. It, was, it was bad. It was so bad. And you're like, stop it. Stop it right now. And you're just garbage, man. And then you had who um oh my dude. Oh yeah. My man Billy Ray. Oh. And yeah. Old Town Road. Who was that that he did Old Town Road with?
0: Oh, I can't remember that, the kid's name. It was like uh,
1: T-Pain. Or little not little nos, Little Nas. Little, nos, little nos X. Yeah.
0: Little Nas X. Yeah. Is it, is it c- little X or is it little Nos, nos 10?
1: Shit. I, I, don't, I don't know, know but <laughs> There's
0: an X. You know, there's an X. I don't know if that's my supposed kids, to be X you know or what? 10. Yeah,
1: but you, my kids would probably tell me. They'd be like, Dad, you just stop. Um But they came out that like Old Town Road and they're like, Oh yeah, we're doing this crossover stuff. And you're like, stop it. Leave it alone. Like you don't have to mix it. Don't mix the streams, Egon. Like, don't do it. But I just, it's, and then you have, you know, people who, like you said, man, you know, people who who just didn't fit anywhere, they're throwing them in the country. And Keith Urban, dude, Keith Urban, there are few, there are very few people that can play a guitar as good as Keith Urban. That guy, man.
0: He's amazing, man.
1: He, Dude. Yeah. Like you said, man, he should have been in the 80s because that guy can play a guitar. It is he he's hands down one of the best. I tell you, another guy who man, this guy it can just he can play a guitar like I mean he's up there on par with Slash. Is Sturgill Simpson? Um, Sturgill Simpson can play. Brad Paisley, you know, another country state, like he can play. He can play a good electric guitar pretty well. Um, but anyway, you're getting a little getting a little off track there. You know, I even say Brad Paisley, he started out really strong with a lot of good songs. And then he got into this, all of his songs started sounding the same. It was just, dude, it was just like, you turn on a radio station. I, I remember in the 80s, early 90s, I could turn on a radio station and I knew immediately it was a country station. Like I knew immediately. Now, you turn on a country station, you've got to wait. And you've got to listen for a couple minutes to see, is this a country station or not? Because the song playing right now, I can't tell. And that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, you know, even Tom Petty. Dude, Tom Petty, and I think Tom Petty's a, one of the best musicians, you know, of all time. Um, he came out and he said country music, quote, it's like bad rock with a fiddle, is the way he <laughs> described the, you know, the the, the kind of new, the the kind of new, new, new country out there. Um There's some, you know, there's some folks, man, who who are trying to hold, I had high hopes and I'll, I'll let you, uh, you know, you, you can give your opinion on them. Um, Chris Stapleton came on the scene and the first time I heard Chris Stapleton was his song, I think it was Traveler. And I was like, dude, this guy's voice is hands down amazing. Like, I'm listening to his voice, and then I – oh, no, so I heard Traveler, and then I heard he redid George Jones. Um, God. Oh, I, dude, I'm blanking on it now. I can't believe I'm yeah, I don't around. know. Um, <sighs> Tennessee Whiskey. God, why dude, I blanked on that one. When I heard him – he redid Tennessee Whiskey, I actually like his better than I do George – I like his version better than I do George Jones do the original, but in Chris Stapleton's voice, man, you heard country soul blues, bluegrass. Like, I mean, dude, his voice just amazing. And I was like, this guy's, he, he is the next Johnny cash. Like he is going to be, you know, the old school country. He's going to have a little bit of outlaw in him, you know, from his, from his appearance, his style. I was like, this guy's going to be it. And then he just, he, 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 he effed it all up. He was terrible. He, he started down this, this other road. Um, and you can, you can give your opinion on it man, but I thought he was going to be it, but he's not, I, I just super disappointed at Chris Stapleton.
0: Yeah. I think he's, he's a part of the, that formulaic problem that we've kind of been addressing with the, uh, with the studios. And I think he fell into, I wouldn't say a trap. I think he absolutely knew what he was getting into because the guy's been writing country songs for years. Uh, a lot of the songs you hear, uh, you know, that, that he's just been writing songs for years. Okay. And really good ones. And, but the problem is he's writing these songs that again, are track number six. You know what kids with kids with, uh, iTunes and Spotify don't even know what I'm talking about when I say it's track (laughs) six on side (laughs) B, but he was writing a ton and I think he was writing track six on side B, um. But he he was successful, but he wasn't writing, uh, you know, the the country rap and stuff like that. He was writing that deep kind of more edifying type country. So I think that, you know, they he either approached the studios or they approached him. I think he finally sold out is what he did. And I'm going somewhere with this. So so stick with me, folks. Um, He put out that first album. Uh, which was amazing. I'm with you on that one, man. I, I We had to go see him in concert in Dublin because it was just like, I've got to see him play live. And, and he was playing his old stuff and it was kind of before he did the, the Justin Timberlake thing, which I think that song was absolute horrible garbage. Is it catchy? Sure. It's catchy for the first 30 seconds. And then just repeat the first 30 seconds for another three minutes. It's, it was, it's, it's awful. The song is really bad. And, so he signs with the label. Uh, he puts out that first album. It's pushed to the Moon, right? And then, and then the studios did something they've been doing for a long time. And this is a formula that was developed by a, by a man named Jimmy Iovine. Uh, Jimmy Iovine is a, one of the most influential music producers that's ever existed. He's worked with everyone since the 1970s. He worked with John Lennon. Uh, that was his first job. Was uh, they brought him in on a Sunday, you know, it was Easter Sunday, and he was the only one that they could call. He was the only one that could come in, and he actually got to work with John Lennon. He worked with uh, Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty. Uh, He got his big hit with, you know, NWA producing their stuff. Then he fell in with Dr. Dre, Rage Against the Machine, Gwen Stefani, the list goes on. Man, the guy has worked with everyone, but his philosophy is, when you go into the studio, you know, you make the chronic and then you come out. I don't know. I don't even know what the album was after the chronic. Right. But you make the chronic and the next album should not sound like the, the, the chronic. The next album should sound different. Right. And the studios back in the day used to fight back uh, with him on that. He's like, it's not supposed to sound like the new album. It's supposed to sound like the next thing. But you see what happens is they start getting away from what worked, you know, what people really loved. And, you know, that one does one of two things, either it makes the music dumber and more catchy. Like we were saying, it makes the music into candy or in some rare cases, it makes it better. But boy, I don't know, man. I mean, if you've made one good thing, I mean, why don't you stick with what people really love, I, I don't know. So I think Jimmy, he, Jimmy, I have convinced all the studios that that's the way to do it. You've got to move forward. You can't be Chris Stapleton. Uh, the last album, you've got to be, you know, you got to take it to another level and do a duet with Justin Timberlake. It's like, man, dude, that's just not what I want. You <laughs> know? So I think the the second a studio gets involved, a major label, major label, Sony, uh, I could, I'm blanking on all the albums or the. Columbia. The, yeah. Columbia. Uh, you get, those start getting involved and that's a recipe for your music. Turn into dog shit. Um, that's, that's my view. I do think that there's a lot of good music out there, you know? Um, so, so let's talk about some, some good stuff, you know, that, that, that we listen to that gives us a little bit of hope. And I'm, I'm seeing less and less of it. You know, you look at my playlist and it's like, dude, you still, boy, you got off the, you got off the music train in like 1995, didn't you, Luke? You know, (laughs) I'm the same, man. I'm the same with, with, with exceptions, you know, but I've got to really dig, to find stuff I like. And a lot of it's word of mouth. Uh, I'll get into that in just a second, but you know, if with country, uh, red dirt country, which is kind of a genre, gives me a little bit of hope. Uh, red dirt country is, is a different sound, but it harkens back to like the 1980s. It it gets more down into those true country music roots. You know, it's not so poppy, you know, and the first one I'll mention is the panhandlers. It's a group of guys who are all independent artists that came together to, uh, to make the panhandlers, you know, like a stone temple pilots type thing. You know, you got a bunch of independent people who came together to do a, do one project panhandlers have a song. That's just absolutely amazing called West Texas in my eye. And even if you're not from here, if you're from here and you don't get choked up list of that song, there's something wrong with you. And maybe you should move to Dallas. Okay. But <laughs> they, they have a few good songs they, they, the, the artists are William Clark green, Cleto Cordero, uh, Josh Abbott and John Bauman, you know, um, And those guys are good on their own. They came together for the panhandlers and it's just, it's amazing. Uh, Some others you might've heard of, maybe not. Uh, Josh Bolin, Jason Bolin and the stragglers, turnpike troubadours, uh, cross Canadian ragweed. That's, that's an interesting one to listen to. Uh, Cody Canada. I mean, they, they just go, you can look up what I'm looking at right now. Just type in red dirt country artists in Google and just go down the list, man. I mean, It may not all be your thing if you're into country, but boy, I sure enjoy it. You know, but all of these red dirt country, I would say I doubt any of them are signed to major labels because you know what? You mix in West Texas in my eye uh, with, uh, you know, 15 song playlist that your local pop country radio plays. uh, It's just not going to resonate um, because it's not catchy. Kind of is, but not really. You know, you don't. There's just more to it. Anyway, I don't know. So all of these, my point is, all of them are on, I think, smaller labels. And many of them, if you dig real deep into it, are independent or on super small local labels uh, that don't have much money. I think, in my opinion, that's where the good sound is. Smaller label, especially these days, smaller labels or independent artists. You know, one of my favorite artists of all time is Ian Moore. He sings kind of a rock soul little tiny bit of a country sound in there. He's just, man, he's just banging. And that dude's back from the nineties. And I bet you never heard of him, Ian Moore, but man, he's got some good songs, man. So talented, but he never signed to a major label. Uh, Ted Nugent once threatened to kill him, but, um, <laughs> but, so I gotta, I gotta, uh, I got a couple, I'm going to give Jesse a couple of shout outs in this episode. Uh, Jesse turned me on to, and this is where I'm going to disagree with you. The white rapper thing. Uh, This guy, his name's uh, Tom McDonald. He's like, have you listened to Tom McDonald? And I'm like, who's that? Tom McDonald doesn't sound like a rapper name. He's like, just check it out. I said, I promise I'll check it out tonight. I was in San Antonio uh, last week. And I was like, I promise I'll check it out tonight. I'll tell you what I think. What do I do? I go to my room and I don't check it out. And the first thing that Jesse asked me, (laughs) he's like, did you listen to it? I was like, I didn't, man. He's like, I knew it. I knew you wouldn't. I was like... (laughs) He knew what he was doing. I was like, okay, dude, I promise I'll listen to it. And so I actually went by his house, uh, which I'll get into uh, toward the closing of the show. But went over to his house and he showed me a video of this guy. And I'm like, whoa. I mean, what caught me is how the guy looks, first of all. He's got like, not dreads, but he's got braids with it it, uh, shaved on the side, braids down to his waist. Uh, He's got tattoos on his face. I mean, this dude is tatted up. He looks like somebody you wouldn't want to run into on the street. You know what he looks like? He, he looks like that dude that stabbed the NASCAR driver in, uh, LA. If you haven't seen that story. Oh but yeah, dude, I saw that dude looks rough and he's been out for a while. He's completely independent. And I listen to his stuff and they're not all winners, but man, oh man, this guy has got a sound and he's, he's really leaning into the anti-woke stuff. Um, <laughs> And some of the songs are like, Holy crap. He's actually saying what a lot of us are thinking. I don't think he's necessarily conservative <laughs> at all. He's definitely not a Republican, but he's also not a Democrat. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like a couple of his songs. I just couldn't believe. And I, I was like, this one's going straight in the workout playlist. And he's a white dude. And it, he was inspired. He actually writes a tribute song to Eminem called a uh, deer stand or something like that. And, um uh, Tells about how Eminem was a real influence on his life. But what I like about this dude, and we can talk about the modern state of hip hop or not, but he's actually telling a story, not just through one song. But if you listen to an entire album, you're like, I know this guy really communicated with me and he communicated a complex idea. It's like, that's what music should be, man, in my opinion. You know, that's what feeds the soul. It does not what rots your teeth although his songs are pretty catchy. So Tom McDonald, dude, I mean, oh my God, he (laughs) melted my face off a couple of the songs.
1: Yeah, you did. So I, you, so you did send me that one. Um, it was, you know, the, one of his anti-woke ones. Uh, and it was, it was legit. It was good. The, um, so he was, yeah, he was good. I have to check out more of his stuff. That was only what I listened to. Um, you know, but by, but uh but I will Dude, say he,
0: by and large. He does a diss track against a, a fairly small rapper named Mac Lethal. And Mac, Mac Lethal, Lethal was apparently on Joe Rogan years ago. Um and Mac Lethal like called out um uh Tom McDonald on you know publicly, whatever. So boom, beef. Beef is good for business, man. Yep. Period. And so he does a diss track <laughs> on Mac Lethal called Mac Lethal Sucks. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, it's... Remember that part in 8 Mile, you know, where the, the rap battles where yeah, go yeah, back yeah. and forth at the end? It's like that. But in my opinion, it's better. It. It's just brutal. And I'm like, I've listened to that song like 15 times. This is so damn funny. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh,
1: I'll check the rest of the stuff out. You did send me the one, and I did like it. Um And I liked it for the best... Of, like you said, man, you know, it's that... That music, you know... Music should speak to you. It should speak to you and take you on some type of journey, whether it's, you know, it's a, you know, a feel good journey, whether it makes you melancholy, like some type of journey. It should take you on that, right? Three, you know, three chords in the truth. And you could really take that back to any other kind of music, right? You know, and I think that's one of the things like, you, you know, we talk about hip hop. And again, I didn't grow up listening to, you know, hip hop or rap you know, by and large, um, I, I listened to a lot of country. I did listen to some rap. I listened to, I listen to a lot of run DMC, man. I yeah, love Run DMC.
0: the school you went to, was it your high school or middle school where you were a uh, drop of milk in a big cup of black coffee, right? Uh, my middle and high school. And, you know, but I did, man. I, you know, I
1: listened to run DMC and i dude, I love run DMC. Um, you know, and then of course all kids, I think all kids wanted to, uh, you know, wanted, wow, man, what was the, um, two live crew. Like, uh, you know, all kids wanted to listen to two live crew mainly because it, you know, your parents were like, you will never listen to that. It was like, Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so that was your first mistake. One telling me not to listen to them. I don't even know who it is. Now I'm going to go find them, you know, listen to it and two live crew. They were big, you know, big, they were big in Florida anyway. Cause I think they were out of my, I, I th- yeah, I think they were out of, uh, they were out of Miami. Um, but anyway, you know, so, that music, it speaks to you. And, you know, and that's why, you know, the hip hop was, you know, it was so big. That's why like, you know, the chronic and you talk about Tupac, you know, I remember, you know, there's a, you know, some of Tupac songs, you know, talking about his, you know, his mom being a single mom and, you know, doing whatever she could to, you know, to make sure he had a hot plate, you know, when he got home and stuff. And then, you know, you have, um, you know, Biggie, um, you know, and there was some hip hop out there that you're like, man, like this, this I can listen to. Like this because this is talking to me, is telling a story. Even even some of the songs, like I can't relate to that, you know, but it's still a story that you can listen to. And it's there's nothing now that I can really the the new stuff, like I just I just can't relate to. It's just you're just like Especially when, you know, whether it's, whether it's Luke Perry, Luke Perry, Luke Bryant talking about, you know, shaking money makers and stuff like that. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm 45 years old. Like there ain't no, you know, nobody's shaking money makers in my world. Nobody Uh, wants you (laughs) to shake your money maker either. Yeah. It's absolutely nobody, you know, no, no, nobody wants me to shake my, you know, my old white man, 45 year old money maker.
0: So they're not singing to you, dude. They're singing to some, you know, you know, it's just like you're saying man and that's a and that's a problem though it's like they're
1: singing to a crowd right now who's not going to be their crowd much longer and so they're going to find themselves in the exact same position right cuz like you said it's dumbing down it's dumbing down the music you know the people who come after them they're going to they're going to quickly find themselves you know the shooting stars like hey man your time is gone And you don't have anybody left to sing to, and the music that you left behind is garbage that nobody's going to go back and listen to.
0: I I was having this argument with my my uh, my nephew who is very much into modern hip hop. Uh, I was like, he he was talking about this guy J Cole, right? And uh, I've never heard of him, right? But he's like, no, he's the best of all time. And I was like, and I was like, him and uh, Post Malone, right? Nobody is going to be quoting their music in 10 years. That's just not going to happen. But when I say something to you like son, they shook because they know such things as halfway crooks. That song came (laughs) out like 20 years ago and man, people still quote it. Right. And it's just, I I cut you off. I'm sorry. But we we had, he was like, no, they will, man. Cause I'm telling you, this guy's no joke. And, And in all fairness, I am, Probably not going to take the time to listen to J. Cole. (laughs) But, you know, because my first question is, is he independent? And my nephew's like, or is he on a small label? Is he independent? My nephew didn't even know what I was talking about. So I'm like, well, because if he's on a major label, I'm probably not going to listen to him. I'm not going to give it the chance. I'm just not. Because it's going to be garbage. It's going to be something I don't like. Okay?
1: Anybody... You know, no, no, no disrespect to your nephew, but anybody who says the greatest hip hop artist of all time and doesn't say Eminem is automatically like, dude, your opinion is your opinion is garbage.
0: Wait, wow. wait, wait, wait. So, are you saying Eminem is the greatest hip hop artist of all time?
1: Yes. Wow, greatest really? hip hop artist of all time. And I wow. tell you what, there. And I tell you what, there are plenty of videos of. 50 Cent. There are videos of Dr. Dre. There are videos of, uh, I want to say even Jay Z stating that exact same thing. 50 huh. Cent. Because there was this big thing. And I, when I was kind of like looking up some of the music stuff, there was this one of these articles. It was like, okay, hip hop, you know, who's who, who's big in hip hop now? Because, dude, I can't, I can't tell you. Um, you know cuz again my my music playlist my music playlist stopped in like 1995 you know maybe 2000 you know with the exception of very few and you know so this thing popped up there's this there was this big to do about 50 cent not following eminem on Instagram and there's this interview that pops up and they're like well, why don't you follow um, You know, the interviewer is like, why don't you follow Eminem on Instagram? And 50 cents is 50 cent's like, why do I need to? If I want to talk to him or mess, I'll just text him. It's like, I don't need to follow him on Instagram, you know? And he doesn't follow me. Like, we just text each other. We call each other. Like, you know, and so it was kind of like a beef that was, you know, other people were making, you know, that like Eminem, they don't care. Um, But anyway, but, you know, they got to talking and she's like, who, who is the you know who's the greatest hip hop artist of all time? if cents it it's like Eminem, hands down. And, and it was fifty. It was either fifty or Dr. Dre said that there are so many people out there that are upset because you had this white kid come on the hip hop scene and do it better than everybody else.
0: I put a lot more weight into Jay Z. Saying that, uh, then I would Dre or 50 or anyone who has anything to do with, I don't know what their label is now, Death Row, but or the prior Death Row. But if Jay Z said it, you know, I put some weight into that, and of course, it's going to be subjective. I, I, I do think that Eminem is really good. Um, boy, yeah, he's good. Uh, but you know, it's tough because there were some like Chuck D. From Public Enemy. I mean, oh, yeah. you're up against him. You're up against like not people, not many people know the DOC who was in NWA real early on yeah. and got in an auto accident and tore up his vocal cords and to do can barely even scratch whisper. Now, he was so good. Like his stuff, it was, you know, but we never got to see his talent. But man, yeah, Eminem, and think of how many people he, uh, he inspired. You know, I think yeah. one of the coolest things that he totally punks everyone. Like I would never go up against Eminem on any kind of public or private beef because especially public, because all he's going to do is punk you. Uh, I, I don't think he's necessarily a tough guy. I do think he knows how to get his ass kicked, but it ain't about that for him. And I think one of the funniest things he ever did, and he's done this type of thing a few times, was the big thing was, oh, he's a gay basher. He's a gay basher. He hates gays. He, you know, this was before LGBTQ plus minus, uh, parentheses, ampersand, uh, hashtag, all that stuff. But they were like, he hates gays. He's bad. Uh, all this stuff. And then what does he do? He goes on the Grammys. I think it was the Grammys, not the Grammys music, some sort of music award. Yeah. And does a duet with the gayest man of all time, Elton John. Yep. And I was like, Oh, it was like that is beautiful. He just put it in your face. You know what else I like? This is kind of an aside, Josh. I'll kick back to you. Uh, <laughs> you know, Rush Limbaugh supposedly was a gay hater. He hated gays. Hated gays. Right? That's that was the word. He yep. hated gays. You know who performed at his wedding? The gayest man on the planet, Elton John. <laughs> Elton John. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, man.
1: That's the thing. It's dude. It's uh, man. It's is is the whole thing so ridiculous. Um, when it comes to that, but yeah, you know, it, it was, you know, Jay-Z, Drake, and all out other, like, people are upset because Eminem is out there doing hip hop better than anybody else. Um, you know, I mean, that dude has over 200 million, uh, records sold. Um, you know, I mean, he is, and the thing with Eminem is like, you know, again, like he was, you know, Eminem's is very anti-Trump and blah, blah. And it's like, whatever, but every single one of his songs that I've heard tells a story. And it's a lot of them are stories that, you know, some of us can relate to. Um, you know, it's it's just it, the guy is amazing. And when it comes down to it, like, you know, it's like. People listen, a lot of people listen to music to be moved. You know, a lot of people listen to music, you know, at low points in their life, at high points. Yeah, you know and when you're just putting out garbage just
0: absolute garbage man you're just just noise but when do people that's a great point but let me ask you this well i'm gonna i'm gonna answer my own question <laughs> and then throw it back to you because i don't want you to answer it wrong <laughs> but when do people most often listen to music right they most often listen to music when they're passing the time okay like Yes. You and I, you know, especially like getting your workout on or, you know, maybe you're doing a task, uh, an artistic endeavor or something. I will put on something that going to get me in a state of mind. Right. That is edifying. And I'm searching for something edifying. I'm not searching for hit me, baby, one more time. You know, right. I might put on lose yourself by Eminem or something, you know. So my point is uh, that music is being marketed for when people are listening to it most often, which is just pass the time. And what do you do when you pass the time when you're driving? You know, most of the time. Like when you're driving to work, right? You're not thinking about anything. Most nope. people. Now I am, I know you are, because that's when we get our best ideas, right? When that's right. I'm gonna pull over the side, <laughs> I'm gonna text these guys. This is when we get to our best arguments. But most people aren't like that. Joe and Jane Six Pack turn on the radio to pass the time and bob yeah. their head. You know what I'm saying?
1: That's a great point. They, 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 Joe Jane Six Pack put their headphones on on the metro just to drown out, you know, everything around them. They don't care what it is, just as long as it's a distraction. No, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, You know, there, there are some country artists out there that are, are trying to do it right. And again, I'm going to withhold, Yeah, I, I I won't say that they're, they're going to be the real deal because, you know, I thought that of Chris Stapleton. Um, before he did that nonsense with uh, with JT. Um, but you look at guys like Scotty McCreary. Um, so, Scotty McCreary, he came out. He's actually out of uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. was where he, where he grew up. Um, a little town right outside called Garner, actually. Um, man, he came on. You look at this kid. He looks like he's 12 years old. But this guy, when this guy talks, I don't know if you, you, you remember uh, Josh Turner. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got a Josh Turner voice, dude. That dude started talking. In fact, he won American. He was American Idol winner. That's and, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dude, that guy. He came out. And he redid. Well, he didn't redid. He covered one of Conway Twitty songs. And oh my Jesus, dude, he brought the house down. I mean, he was. He played. He you know he sang the Grand Ole Opry, um, you know, which is you know, I mean, that's the that's the pinnacle of you know country music venues. Ryman Auditorium, man. I mean, he was absolutely amazing. And every single song that he's put out has been like that. It is old school sound, you know, Conway Twitty, um, you know, kind of, kind of feel to it. I'm, I'm out to lunch on Luke Combs. Um, I, I, I've heard a couple of his songs. They were decent, but I've also heard a couple that was like, Oh man, you're walking a tightrope right now. Um, Big, you're walking boy, a Luke. Tight... Big yeah. boy Luke. Yeah. Uh, It's like, man, you're walking a tightrope with me right now. Uh, You get, you got to watch it. Uh, Drew Parker, really good. Riley Green, uh, Riley Green did this song, um, which you know, Grandpas Never Die. It was fantastic. Uh, The lyric, everything was just fantastic. He did it at the Grand Ole Opry, um, and because I think Brad Paisley heard him, and Brad Paisley got him to, you know, got him a, a spot at the Grand Ole Opry one night and uh, let him sing his, you know, his debut song is really good. As far as females go, Casey Musgraves, I've always been a big fan of Casey Musgraves. Uh, she's done a good job. One guy I wish he's been writing songs in Nashville for years and years. He's a former Marine. Um, he spent some time in the clink, uh, Jamie Johnson, Jamie Johnson. He did, uh, he did the song in color. Um, I love his voice. He's got that, he's got that raspy voice. The dude can sing and he's a great writer, man. Um, but he just, he doesn't sing a lot. He doesn't put out a whole lot of music. He's kind of like, man, he's, but he's, he's, he's got a David Allen co feel to him, man. He is, he's straight kind of, you know, he's outlaw and he, you know, there's some lyrics in some of his songs that you can't, you know, you, you, you can't play a mixed company. Um, you know, it's like some of David Allen co's songs. Uh, you know, so I think those like those are some of the country artists that are that are doing some I I have hope for. Man. Um you know, female we'll female
0: artists though, female artists, I, I don't the days of Reba McIntyre and Dolly Parton, uh especially Reba, are gone. Those aren't coming back. But you know <laughs> you know who did the most for the feminist movement? it's not Gloria Steinem, it's not Susan B. Anthony, it's not Simone de Beauvoir. Shania Twain. Hey, hey. Oh, Shania. <laughs> oh, my God. Man, <laughs> those lyrics, when they came on in the Midnight Rodeo, called the Midnight Fist Fight back in the day, don't play the Shania Twain song. That is going to ruin my chances for the rest of the night. <laughs> you go, girls. You <laughs> know, like, yep. any man of mine. It's like, <laughs> any man. Really, you're going to play this at the bar right now? No, wrong. Because... Brad Pitt's not good enough for these these girls. Hmm. Yeah, I'm in the wrong bar, son. Yeah, Shania yep. Twain's music, man. Holy cow! If you're a woman, real good for you. If you're a man, not so much. Any man of mine <laughs> better walk the line. Better what? have dinner ready. Better wash the car. And and by the way, what are you doing this whole time? Oh, I've got my feet up. Why? Why do you have your feet up? Because I'm a woman and I deserve it. I mean, that was the those. That's what she's saying about. That was so yep. bad for us. Good
1: for yeah. women. Bad for us. I feel like a woman. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember dude, I you know, I remember Shania Twain. she came, you know, she came out. Um, you know, she she really kind of barnstormed it uh there for a while. Um I I tell you who did the most damage for female country artists, and this may be <laughs> unpopular
0: with oh, some. Oh, oh, I can't wait to hear what you're gonna say. <laughs> Carrie Underwood. Oh. Carrie why? Underwood
1: and Tay Tay. Carrie what's Underwood
0: t-tay? and Tay.
1: tay Tay Tay? Tay Tay. doggone uh what's her name? Dates Everybody that writes a song about him when she breaks up. Oh god. Uh Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Carrie Underwood and Taylor Swift did more damage for female country artists than anybody because they're they're not country. They're 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 pop, they're pop artists. That's all they are. Carrie Underwood And again, man, I had high hopes for Carrie Underwood. She won American Idol. She did the duet with Randy Travis. I told you so. Right. And Randy Travis, you know, again, he's, you know, he's, he was born, born raised here in North Carolina. Um, Randy Travis, another one of my favorite country artists. Um, You know, I thought Randy Travis was phenomenal. My dad hated him. It was so funny. My mom really liked Randy Travis. My dad hated him. My dad was like, he sounds like he's singing through his damn nose um and my dad would just be like dad called him like a nose hum nose hummer or something i hear anyway my dad was like "Eh." it was probably because my mom liked him so much my dad just automatically disliked him
0: tell your dad a very sarcastic thanks a lot for that because i'm not even i'm not going to be able to unhear it and now every time i listen to randy travis i'm going to be thinking about that so very sarcastically (laughs) the next time you talk to your dad hey luke says thanks a lot (laughs) yeah
1: let him know um she did that duet with him, you know, I told you so. And it was, dude, it was phenomenal. I was like, dude, this is man. She is, you know, I was like, she is going to come up. She's going to be the next Loretta Lynn. You know, she is going to be that, you know, that Reba, you know, it's like, Hey, who is, who is the female country music artist that you automatically first think of? And it's like, yeah, like you said, man, it's Reba, Dolly, you know, Loretta Lynn, um, Barbara Mandrell. Oh, Loretta
0: um, Lynn and Barbara Mandrell. Wow. Dude. Yeah.
1: Man, Barbara Mandrell. When I was, when She did uh, George Jones and I was country when country wasn't cool. Man. Like
0: Crystal Gale, man. Like Crystal oh, Gale. Crystal
1: Gale. Crystal Gale, man. With that another good one. With that hair, oh.
0: Hey, who's that girl that Luke Bryan left for Gwen Stefani? Or not Luke Bryan. The other guy. God. Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, Blake uh, Blake Shelton. It was yeah, uh, 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 Miranda, Miranda Lambert. Yeah, she's awful. Yeah. Her, she, it's like stop being bitter move on just move on i mean he's not even that good looking
1: yeah, yeah. neither is yeah. she to
0: be fair but yeah
1: and she just man she was that was the thing there you know they were like everybody was like oh look at this the country power couple you know this is gonna be that somebody and it was it was at work one day and this was, this was whenever they first got married and I can't remember when this was I mean it was you know, obviously a long time ago but they were like, dude did you see you know Blake Shelton and Miranda Lambert get married and they go that's it It reminds me of when Johnny and June got married and <laughs> dude, I would turned around and <laughs> I said it and I said it loud. I was like, you can go f yourself right now. I was like don't ever don't ever say that shit to me again. And, and like people stopped and looked at me. People stopped and were like, "Whoa. They, dude, they they thought there was about to be a fisticuffs. There was going to be a Donnie Brook. Um it was dude, it was it was so bad. But uh but yeah, you when you thought about when you thought about female artists, man, country artists, it was Reba, Loretta Lynn, Barbara Mandrell, um you know, and I thought I really really thought um, you know, what's her face? I thought she was going to to be the next and she just, she did that with Randy Travis and she did a song I, I'm, with Brad, I'm Brad Paisley. Sorry. And,
0: I'm sorry. Are you, Okay, so are you talking about which one are you talking about? Tay Tay or uh, what's her name? The saying super or Monday Night Football. Which one did the one with Randy Travis? Monday Night Football one. Okay. And what's her name? Damn it. Um, you just said it, <laughs>
1: dude. If you wouldn't have asked me, that,
0: <laughs> we're the worst. We are the absolute worst. Um, okay, so it was her. It was not Taylor Swift. Got it. Okay. No,
1: no, it wasn't Taylor Swift. Um,
0: you know why we worked, can't remember her name? God, because we're irredeemable male chauvinists. That's why.
1: Carrie Underwood.
0: Carrie Underwood said it. Yeah. Carrie, so Carrie Underwood,
1: she did a song with Brad Pitt or not Brad Pitt? Brad Paisley. And it was really good, dude. It was you know, it was it was really good. Um I remember the uh the name of Oh Remind Me. Who remind me? It was like, man, this is a it's a good song. Um but then she just she she's a crossover pop artist, like you know, like Taylor Swift. And she she ruined country her and Taylor Swift, they
0: ruined country music, female wise. Um coming back. More talent. Oh gosh. More talent than a Britney Spears, uh, more talent than a Christina Aguilera, but probably, especially Taylor Swift. Well, and Taylor Swift did cross back over, uh, which is fine. But uh, the lady whose name we can't remember who did (laughs) money.
1: Carrie Underwood. Carrie Underwood.
0: (laughs) 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 She, I I think that, don't you think uh, she's probably like uh, Keith Urban? She's probably better suited in the Lady Gaga world. Uh, Lady Gaga of 2014, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, she, she's a great singer. Don't you know. Will not take anything. Wrong. I mean, that, that, that girl, the girl can sing. It's just, I don't, I don't like, you know, people bringing pop into country.
0: Um, so let me ask you this. Um, and I, I don't I believe we might have talked about it on the show. We talk about a lot of stuff here. And I was doing the I was putting pen to paper the other day. That's that's been my uh that's been the latest thing I say to people all the time. I put pen to paper on that. <laughs> I say it a lot. I say it more than I should, but I was I was putting pen to paper on how many hours we've talked on this show. Yeah. And it's a lot. We, really? We've talked for a lot of time. Well, yeah, we've talked for a lot of time. So it's 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 impossible for me to remember everything it's bad enough (laughs) i'm gonna be 50 next year but you know i I don't remember everything so i might have said this on the show before i might have asked this we may have discussed it but man uh uh a star is born the most recent a star is born i said lady gaga and it reminded me of it uh you know her and uh bradley cooper uh you like that movie correct because i i thought it was just phenomenal phenomenal movie i haven't seen it yet Oh my God. You haven't seen it. No, no, you should watch it, man. You, sh- you should, you should watch it, up. it. Have you seen the one with Chris Christopherson and uh long nose? What's her name? He's <laughs> long- <laughs> talking about Sarah What's Jessica. Her name? Not, well, she's like an older version. This is awful. <laughs> we. Can, she's got the, uh, the guys uh, she dated Richard gear. She's dated all these guys. Oh, uh, Julia Roberts. No, oh, God, no, she's older than her. Um, Oh, God. She was a heard. singer. She sang, uh, oh, God. But have you seen the other versions of A Star is Born? Yeah, I saw the one with Chris Christopherson. Well, then what's the actress's name? I can't, dude. I can't remember. She has that long nose. And all the actors from back in those days are like, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever been. It's like, no, I, you know, it, mm-mm. she's Sarah Jessica Parker to me. I don't think she's that attractive. You're talking about Barbara Streisand? Yeah. 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 Okay. Was it? Long she, nose. she Yeah, yeah. Long nose. Yeah. Anyway, 30%. you need to, you need to check out uh, the the modernist stars board, dude. I, I it was so much better than I thought it was going to be, um, so much better. But here's something I bet you don't know. Do you know? Because Bradley Cooper's a good looking guy, right? I'd say he's a good actor. I say he's a good looking guy too. I'm allowed to say that. Do you know who he's dating now? <laughs> oh Lord, who? Puma Abedine, <laughs> stop! I'm no. not joking. I am not joking. No, it's like stop. I'm not joking. It's like, dude, you're Bradley Cooper, man. Somebody needs to remind him who he is. Um, because come now, on, man, not joking, man. Didn't uh, he
1: Bradley Cooper, the one that uh, portrayed Chris Kyle? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. You
0: Huma, <laughs> no. You know, I got to plug this real quick. So we're going to link all this stuff. I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got a lot of news articles and websites. I'm going to put up uh, what we used for this show. But yeah, I'll, I'll link that article for you, man. I was like, oh, oh Jesus. God. Huma Abedin. Right. She was dating Anthony Weiner. Are, are they were married? I don't know. They were married. Ugh, God. Mm.
1: Now uh, now Bradley Cooper and Anthony Weiner are Eskimo brothers.
0: They are, yep. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Bradley Cooper. I mean, it, you know
1: that dude <laughs> could have daggone near any woman in the world. Oh yeah. And he picks Huma Abbott. Yeah. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. I'm telling you, man. Oh, dude, man. Nero is loving this watching this burn.
0: Holy I'm, moly. I'm trying to come up with the with the Bennifer combination of their names. Bruma, maybe Bruma. Bruma. You know the power Ooh, couple, yeah. Bruma. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a good one. Or Hadley?
0: No, Bruma's uh, better. No,
1: Bruma, yeah, Bruma. That's a that's a good one. Who really? God, man, no, that was. Uh, I, you know what, I would have lost money on that one.
0: Yeah, I, you I know, lost money I mean, on that if one. I would have given you, you know, gone down the list, and yeah. A, B, C, D, <laughs> E, you would have been like, nah, you, that would have probably been your last guess, right? Would have been mine.
1: Yeah, you could have been like, dude, you could have probably said. James Woods and Lady Gaga. And I've been like, I'll take that one over, you know, Bradley yeah. Cooper and Huma Aberdeen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. That's so
1: ridiculous.
0: It's that is an, uh, so ridiculous. It's a shame. It's, it's a real shame. I'll tell you that.
1: It absolutely is. <laughs> so you got to check um, out the
0: Star is Born, man. Uh, Stars is Born is right up there. I think I saw them around the same time. Uh, the Star is Born, I saw that and Joker real close together
1: yeah and okay
0: i there were two real solid movies. I was just like, there is hope for a cinema because man God, there's some garbage oh
1: I just yeah yeah man I, I, just, I hate the CGI I hate the Marvel you know did you, you know, see I, the, I just
0: don't like did it. you see the Brad Pitt movie uh called Allied it, it uh-huh. was the movie that ended uh his and um, Angelina Jolie's marriage they they broke up shortly after that oh check out you got to write this stuff down, Josh. Check out Allied. It's about uh, it's about spies in World War Two in North Africa. It's a pretty good movie, man. Oh, okay, yeah. He uh, Brad uh, Brad Pitt plays a, uh, a Canadian Royal Air Force officer, and uh, Marion Cotillard. She was in, she's in a lot. She was in Inception. She was the wife in Inception. Yeah. Um, she's uh, she's a spy too. So anyway, that's a good movie, man. I uh, check that out. I just I saw it was on Allied. Netflix, and I was like. Oh man, I'm going to watch that again, and that's one of those ones that I can sit down with my wife and watch because she loved it too. Obviously, because Brad Pitt's in it, but uh, yeah, it's a good movie, man. It's solid, man. Nice little spy story.
1: I'll check. Uh, I'll check it out. I, you seen uh, anything I was...
0: lately you'd recommend to the audience?
1: Um, no, man, dude. The last like you know new newish movie uh, I saw it was Top Gun, which you know we man we talked about that. I Absolutely recommend. Um, I dude, I man. Uh, a movie really has to grab me or it has to be recommended by somebody who I respect. So I'll definitely check out Allied. Oh, well, uh, Oh wow. For me to watch it. I wasn't expecting that (laughs) (laughs) for, well, you're just so used to Roger telling you how much, you know, you suck (laughs) and uh, how much he dislikes you. Um, You know, I was flipping through channels the other day and like, you know, I come across, I always go back to what I know, like Casablanca was on and it's just, you know, it's one movie if it's on and I'm flipping through and I don't have anything like I'm watching it. Like I'm watching it. It's just, you know. Um so I don't think Roger's watching uh, watching many movies on his kayak. Uh, no, it's hard right now.
0: You know, it's it's risky. It's risky. You can drop that thing and it may be waterproof, but you can drop that thing into the lake and you know, you're you're out of luck. You know. That's right. So Ro- Roger. Yeah. Recession it, so. Roger. Recession RPR. proof Roger. Recession proof Roger. Romeo Papa Romeo. <laughs> Recession proof Roger, man. Good Roger's grief. like, not
1: man, I'm doing okay. He's on a you know, he's on a lake somewhere in Arizona, you know, in his yeah, kayak. I'm and sending, he's like
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending pictures from the grocery store. Dude, this inflation is killing me. And Josh sent a picture of the gas pump and Roger will send a picture, yeah, I'm fishing on the lake. I'm a kayak.
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, Roger's like, I don't know nothing about no recession. I don't know what all you.
0: I don't know what the Roger's like. I don't know what you pores are doing. So, so things that are recession proof. Okay, organized crime, especially gambling and prostitution, the entertainment industry, and Roger. <laughs> recession proof, uh, man. That's the way it goes. I feel like we only have, dude. We
1: only have like five minutes left. I feel like we, we, man, we we missed the opportunity to talk a lot of trash.
0: On, we uh, about Roger. We did. And, you know, there is other news out there. You know, uh, Donald Trump, there's rumors that he's going to throw his hat in the ring uh, before the midterms. And a lot of people are not happy about that. And I do believe Uh, that if he does that, that'll be his death knell because nobody wants that. Um, That and Iran, uh, spokesman for Iran announced that their breakout capability is under 60 days now, um, which means they could have a nuke in under 60 days. uh, Great job in the Middle East biden great job nice fist bump with mbs maybe oh, we'll, dude, we'll, that was so bad maybe we'll we'll cover that stuff maybe that'll develop over the over the next week and when roger gets back we can do deep dives into that stuff you know yeah I mean, so I'll, I'll give a just one i'm gonna give a couple shout outs uh you know thanks again to darren for uh some recent recommendations he gave me uh Thanks to Jesse. I'll get into that here in a second. Scott, thanks for, thanks for listening. And I, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who listen it, I actually, there was a couple that told me, Hey, we started listening to your podcast just the other day, uh, Chris and Aaron, man, I appreciate it. I, I wish I could think off the top of my head, I just make a list. You know, I should probably prepare more. Uh, but I really appreciate y'all listening. I, it, it means a lot to, it means a lot to all three of us, but, um, uh, Josh, I got a little, you know, you come across things, you know, world sucks, man. It's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, kids these days, music sucks, movies suck. And then every, every once in a while you come across something wholesome and you're like, man, maybe there's some hope out there. And I mentioned that I, uh, I went by, uh, Jesse's house. He invited me over, uh, talked to his lovely wife and met his two boys and meeting those two boys was, was something because I really like coming across kids you know, uh, in their teens, uh, who know how to act around adults. You can tell that they're disciplined. You know, we walked in, Jesse goes, Hey, go, I got some stuff in the truck, go unload it. And his kid actually grabbed the keys and ran out to unload. (laughs) And and, and Jesse didn't say it in like a threatening way. He's just like, Hey, I got some stuff in the truck and go grab it, grab it for me. And the kid didn't, didn't, did nothing. He grabbed the keys. He ran out there. You know, we sat in the living room for a while and talked and, and the older one came in and sat down and he knew how to talk to adults. He knew when to shut his mouth. Yeah, you know, he knew that he could pipe up at certain times and contribute to something to the conversation. And man, that is so rare. Dude, that was rare back in our day. That's something that yeah. you, your parents teach you. And, you know, it's either through observing your parents or your parents instructing you, hey, this is how you talk to an adult. And it's, it's usually because the parents talk to their kids like an adult. You know, they don't, they don't patronize them, nothing. So yeah, Jesse, I really appreciate you uh, inviting me into your home. Um, he's also doing some work on a piece of machinery of mine and I appreciate him doing that. I really, really do. I've got a lot to learn about that stuff. So those are my shout outs for the week, man. Josh, what do you got to close us out, man? Um, yeah.
1: So some shout outs. Um, Hey, thanks. Uh, Mimi think up in Virginia. Thanks for listening. Um, you know, the, the Ryan's in Virginia. Thanks for listening. Uh, RJ up there. Appreciate you listening. Uh, man, there's so many John up in, uh, up in Northern Virginia. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, Anthony out in Arizona listening, uh, Rodney up in Alaska, taking a listen, uh, and, and like you, man, I need to be more deliberate about these, uh, these shout outs. Um, again, Brandon in Kansas, Jason in Louisiana, um, you know, and, uh, Joe down in Florida. Um, Joe, seriously, seriously, appreciate you listening, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, everybody. So that's going to do it for, uh, for us for episode 93. Um, once again, thanks to Carlton Zeus, uh, for that, uh, for that intro music and really looking forward to, uh, to when we get you on and, uh, you know, until then, You guys keep those canteen cups, keep them tightly secured and keep good booze in them.